5: Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, your weekly reminder that only good things have happened in history. Nothing bad has ever happened in history. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and I have a guest today. It's sort of not really a guest. It's actually, uh, instead of having a guest, I have a person who's taking over for me. His name is Shiv Ramdas, and hi, Shiv. How are you?
6: Hey, Magpie. Thanks for having me. Wait, Can I say Mac, Pie?
5: Yeah, you can. Oh, okay, nickname still. Oh, cool. That's how you know that Shiv has known me for a long time.
7: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
5: yes. I first met Shiv through the science fiction world. I don't remember what year, probably 2016, or something. I don't know. Shiv is a science fiction author, and apparently a professional funny man by Twitter. Is that a, is that a way to describe your fame?
6: Well, it, yeah, it, it's it's accurate. It's interesting, but accurate. It, yeah. it, it's very interesting. Even at science fiction conventions, people want to like talk about my Twitter. It's 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 gratifying.
5: Yeah, Shiv, I, I was so jealous. Shiv had fewer followers than me, and then made a really good tweet thread, and then had like approximately ten times as many followers as me. Like three days later. Yeah, it, it's it's quite weird. Like it's very surreal. Like, Uh, yeah, anyway, but we're not here to talk about Twitter. We are not. Uh, Shiv has been someone that I've been hitting up for weird history about Indian revolutionary stuff for a long time, and so I'm really excited to pass this off to him. But first, also on the line is Sophie. Hi, Sophie.
7: Hi, Magpie. It's all I got. Sophie's it's all, not in that's all I got for her, you
5: her usual cave
7: yeah I, I it was getting real dark in the basement. I decided to record upstairs today where there's sun
5: Sophie's in the sunshine yeah um and our editor is named Ian. everyone has to say hi, Ian.
7: Hi Ian. Hi, Ian
5: Hello, Ian. Yeah, that's close enough. We'll take it, yeah. our theme music was written by Unwoman and Today, we're talking about Gamma. Who's Gamma?
6: Gamma is my childhood hero. Well, not exactly, but he's like someone I've thought was really, really cool and the closest thing to a superhero India has. Which also, I think, if you think about it, is pretty appropriate because Gamma is like pretty close, like Gamma. It's like a superhero name anyway.
5: Uh huh. Okay, so like gamma rays—that's that's what people call him.
6: Well, that's the part we leave out, right? Because then you're talking about someone being green, and we're going in a whole different direction there.
5: Okay. But okay. but it's a
6: nice, snappy name, right? Like it's it's like a
5: cool superhero name. Does he have a last name? Well, he has a lot of
6: names. So he actually was born with the name of Ghulam Muhammad Baksh Butt. So. His nickname in childhood was Gamma, and he's one of those people who's famous enough that his childhood nickname becomes the world's name for him. Hell yeah. So it's a very, very small, rarefied amount of people who ever got there. But the fun part about this guy is it's totally appropriate that he has a superhero name, because if you look at like his life story and his resume, it's basically like a superhero story. He's also a wrestler, by the way. The wrestler. <laughs> the wrestler. I'm not kidding. He's a guy who, in a professional career of over 50 years, is said to have never lost a fight. This is a sport where everyone has a narrative of their own. Everyone has a favorite of their own. Sometimes everyone has a winner of their own. And in that sport, this guy is acknowledged universally as the greatest there has ever been. He was the greatest ever at one kind of wrestling. He was really, really influential in an ancillary sense in another kind of wrestling. His lifestyle inspired Bruce Lee. He went from man to hero to myth to legend back to man. All all this is true. He became part of a reverse propaganda campaign against the British Empire. He was so successful that papers in England during the occupation of India were bemoaning the effect he was having on the morale of people in (laughs) India. And they
5: were really unhappy about it the the and positive like, impact on the morale of people the positive in
6: uh, and and negative impact on like white people in India ah yeah yeah so uh-huh. yeah there was that as well even that was like really complicated though like Gama epitomizes the phrase man of his time better than almost anybody and this is one of those okay. rare times I don't mean it as a pejorative usually when we say he was a man of his time we're talking about him being racist or something and this is not the case yeah oh good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just mean that, like, I have a whole theory about the era he lived in, which we'll get into. And I just think he's very, very well, I think the right word is the epitome of it. And okay. honestly, I'm a short guy. And the fact that this man has done all this at five foot seven is inspirational to me personally. Okay, okay. Okay.
5: Wait, I have a question about the wrestling. You say he's undefeated in 50 years. Is Indian wrestling like American wrestling, where it's fake and scripted?
6: No. In fact, that is a very good question because we're going to get into a whole bunch of that. Because okay, as cool. it turns out, these two kinds of wrestling met back when this kind of American wrestling was the British kind of wrestling.
5: Okay. but So the British were fake also, but he was well, an actual real wrestler. Well, Europe... We'll get into it. Let, let let's Okay, just no, great, great, like, great. No spoilers. Awesome. I just want to know, because like, if we're like the undefeated wrestler, I'm right. like the guy who was cast as the winner every time. Like... But actually winning a competition of sports is cool. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. put it this way, right? Like, it's...
6: The best thing I can say about this is, like, there's this saying in India. I think it's by Pavan Kara, but don't quote me on the quote. <laughs> is that in India, whatever is true, the opposite is also true. And okay. <laughs> the thing about, like, things like true and false for a podcast, especially of this nature and, like, talking about these things is... To put them in their proper context is actually like way harder than it sounds because essentially that time period, like between the late 18th and about like early to mid 19th century, sorry, a mm-hmm. late 19th, early to mid 20th century mm-hmm. is it's just a really wonky period of history. If you think about it, yeah. it's, it's like a time where we actually went from, so like put it this way. When Gama started his career, you—if you wanted to follow a match—you had to hope that someone sent a correspondent to wherever the fight happened,
5: mm-hmm.
6: and then that person would telegraph back to you in Moscow or whatever his summary of what he saw, and you would read about that in the paper, locally. Yeah. By the time he retired, you theoretically could have watched him live on color TV.
5: That's cool. That yeah, fifty-year career is. Hell yeah. Okay. And that's a lot, actually, for
6: 50 years. If you think about the history of, like, humanity, like, yeah. that amount of change in the verifiability or the veracity of information, let's put it that way, is a mm-hmm. lot. Like, prior times like that, essentially, when you talk primary sources, you're saying, I believe the person who wrote about this. Yeah, yeah. By the end of it, you're saying, I have to siege pictures or it didn't happen. Yeah. So that. It's just a very interesting time in that context. So in terms of, there are lots of times during our conversation where we're going to end up at the point of like, there is this version of events and there is possibly this version of events and the truth could be
5: anything in between these two. Oh, I I love that shit. That's what, yeah. Yeah. It's all about it. And so the other part of it is that like, i
6: don't really subscribe to the great man theory of history in general so like one mm-hmm. thing that is true of everyone is that like even someone who is like as superheroesque as gamma is essentially a confluence of being time and talent and situation and context right circumstances mm-hmm. happen and in fact what happens in this person's case is that he is sort of like the best way to basically understand his life, I think, is to view him as like this central character in this larger saga, which involves a lot of people and events and happenings and politics and machinations, a lot of which he had nothing to do with. But okay. yet he becomes like this central, almost mascot like figure in it. Okay. And yet you cannot take away from the fact that like it required a certain amount of talent, etc. to be the person who was there. But, yeah, yeah. but no one is, like, the writer of the entire history they figure in, so to speak, right? Yeah. So, essentially, what we're going to do now is we're going to, like, hear a long chronological story in which okay. this man shows up at various points. And I'm in no way suggesting that he's some kind of Desi Forest Gump, but he was there <laughs> when a lot of really interesting <laughs> things happened. Okay, cool. And... He does sort of, in his own way, influence a lot of these events. So let's begin with what he did or who he is. And I think another way we have to like look at this to kind of, kind of make sense of the whole thing is that if you want to understand gamma, you've got to actually mm-hmm. understand like the time and the events they were in. Mm-hmm. And to do all of this, you basically have to understand the guy's life. And to understand the guy's life, you basically have to Understand a little bit about what his life was about, which was wrestling. Okay. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about wrestling on this podcast.
5: I am, I'm very pro context. Everyone who listens to this show regularly knows that this is a Mm -hmm. pro context show. So I'm excited for context. So
6: I realize that a lot of people listening to this may not be wrestling nerds. So what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to keep actual descriptions of like matches and stuff short Mm -hmm. because when you get into this stuff, people will, you'll find people have written entire chapters about two moves in a fight.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: So I'm going to try and not subject most of you to that. And we're going to like sort of breeze through the matches, but we need to go through and understand the context of why they mattered. Okay. All right. So let's start with his name, right? Like he was known as Gama the Great in the West, but mm-hmm. in the Indian subcontinent, he's basically known as Gama Pahelwan. And One. Is essentially a practitioner of Pahelwani, which is okay. the style of wrestling we have in India that Gama was a practitioner of. And from the name it's pretty clear, right? Like you can't really separate this guy from wrestling. So we're gonna have to go through one to get to the other.
5: Now so it'd be like if his name was like Gama Karate or whatever.
6: Yeah, exactly. Karate Okay. So to speak. Like
5: Yeah and Okay. The word
6: Pehelwan itself has like a deeper meaning. It means like Strong man, but it also has like a deeper context, which I'll get into. Wrestling might actually be the oldest competitive sport we have along with racing, like foot racing. It is probably the oldest sport. Like I'm sure the foot race is right up there, but wrestling is pretty much there. The thing about wrestling is though it's a word that actually covers like an entire spectrum of sports and a lot of them are extremely different, but they have like some kind of common thread throughout them. Mm -hmm. So for instance, you know, you have freestyle wrestling, you have catch as catch, you have Greco-Roman, you have Pelwani, and Of course, you have professional wrestling, which is the kind we just talked about <laughs> in America. It is called yeah, professional yeah. wrestling. I'm a fan by the way. I think it's like a fantastic art. Like it's just Oh
5: yeah, no, totally.
6: Yeah. So it's theater. Theater's uh, great. I, I, absolutely. And like those guys are great athletes. It's just like yeah. their objective is different from anyone else and Yeah. If you've watched a lot of wrestling like you can see why it exists because like a lot of like actual wrestling can be supremely boring if you're not really into it.
5: Yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, I, okay. So it's interesting to me that wrestling—it makes sense and it makes me feel good about humanity. That wrestling is probably older than stand up and punch each other in the face back and forth, which is what I would have first come up with if someone were to ask me what the oldest sport is. I would have guessed boxing, and it makes me happy that the foot race and wrestling <laughs> predate. And now I say this as someone who is, I I know a little bit about boxing and I don't know as much about wrestling. I
6: I think Um, it's very interesting in the sense of like, even if you remember like when you were a kid and you got into like a playground fight, there is something different when someone is sitting on your chest and smacking you as opposed to like when they just like get you from a distance.
5: Yeah, that's true.
6: And so I can see why it happened first. You know what I mean? Like,
5: also, it's just like, it's more about control and less about destruction. I'm not trying to make a a statement about the sports, but the concept of stand here and punch each other in the face versus like, who can physically wrestle to the other, to the ground, and dominate. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, okay.
6: Yeah, I don't know enough about boxing to like, get too deep into that, but I, I totally yeah, agree I don't with know. you. There's, yeah. there's like a whole, there's like a boxing fight. Boxing fans are fight, now mad at yeah. me. A fight podcast <laughs> could probably like do a whole series on like
5: this whole thing, yeah, okay. So, so anyway, what style is he? So, he's doing this particular style, so
6: he's doing the style which is called Palwani. Now, Palwani, even among all the styles of wrestling, is like it's really really fascinating, partially because like its history is barely documented in English except by a few people. And mm-hmm. anyone who's like interested in what we talk about today, I encourage you to read S. Majumdar, he's like the probably the greatest historian in the history of Indian wrestling. Palwani, his
5: name slower because people uh, are going to ask me.
6: His name is Majumdar, S. Majumdar. Okay. You could also read this guy called Joseph Alter, who is an American professor, I believe. And there's also this English writer called Graham Noble, who's done a lot of really good work. Okay. In fact, uh, a lot, some of what we discussed about Gama in England has been beautifully documented by him in the series of essays called Lion of the Punjab, which, okay. which essentially goes deep into Gama's time in England.
5: Okay. Which we're going to learn about. Which we're going to learn about.
6: Now, oh, yeah. Now, Pahalwani has this long history in its own right. And yet, it's extremely interesting that it itself is like a combination of like two even older styles almost. So, mm-hmm. so you know, like Indian Malayuddha at some point met Persian Kushti and it became what we now know as Pahalwani. Till today, Kushti, from Kushti, is the Hindi word and the Urdu word for wrestling okay so it is basically almost one thing now in india also obviously you had you know the history of gurukuls in a certain manner of like traditional education there was the akara that's a system that's been around from like 500 and something ce 537
5: i would say okay wait what's akara i don't know what this it, is
6: it's it's basically like a live in ashram or school for martial arts like think of it as a dojo where oh, okay. you live and work Like, you don't just go home, you, like, live there and serve the master as well as, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. So, at some point, this merged with, like, how wrestling and Pehlwani wrestling. So, now, wrestling in India is essentially conducted through the Akhara system.
5: Okay. Which... So, if you want to become a wrestler, you go live at your school.
6: Among other things, yes. Like, so if you take, I think the best way to actually picture Balwani for those who haven't encountered it is like, we're going to sort of quadrangulate from other things. So if Mm -hmm. you take like the, the tradition and the ritual of sumo and you take like the straight up intensity of like mixed martial arts. And if you take like, you know that all those stereotypes you have of warrior monks from Shaolin, and you take mm-hmm. like all the theatricality and you know the histrionics from professional wrestling and you married them all into one bastard child, you would probably have Pahavani.
5: Wait, this sounds like the best sport in the world.
6: It, it, it's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> it sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. And if you watch if you ever watch a fight, like you'll see the similarities to sumo almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Like the participants will approach each other, they'll salute each other, they'll come through the crowd. The arena mm-hmm. is basically just like this mud ring. And, you know, they'll they'll rub mud over themselves and stuff. They'll rub their hands in mud, and then they'll start the fight. Mm. The referee is basically mostly there to prevent illegal blows, like you can't kick to the groin and things like that. And the objective is basically pin the other person's shoulders for the count, and you win. And it's really okay. that simple, except that it's not, you know? Like, bouts can go on for hours. like. And rules, yeah. can, and rules can vary a bit with tournaments. Like, sometimes it'll go on till there's a victor. Usually, there'll be, like, a set time, and by then, you haven't figured one out. It'll be, like, a draw or something. Okay. But with nuances, that's the situation. And, like, with all things wrestling, there's a lot more going on, like, beneath the surface. So just for instance, yeah. like, to give you an example of like like, just take the surface, the literal surface these guys fight on. Like I called it like a mud earthen ring, but the earth is prepared like with great amounts of care, almost like a zealotry. like the right amount of oil, milk, water, <laughs> <Whoa. or> spices <laughs> will be added because it has to be soft uh-huh. enough that someone can fall on it repeatedly and not get some lasting injury, but it has to be okay. hard enough that feet will find purchase and they won't slip, okay. A lot of places have their own recipes for preparing just the earth, which they will guard. Okay. So essentially what I'm trying to say is that like, if you decide to become a wrestler, like it's not a career choice. It's not a lifestyle. It's like your whole life. You will go there. You will live. You will work there. You will clean the place. You will learn to prepare. You will train. Like the training is a thing all by its own. Like they use these rustic training techniques that they've used for literally hundreds of years. Mm
5: Mm-hmm.
6: They use no modern equipment till today. Like you won't find a single dumbbell barbell or traditional weight in the place. You okay. might find a tractor tire.
5: All right. All right. Some, some you know, concessions to yeah. modern CrossFit.
6: Right. <laughs> uh, like the traditional thing is they, they have something like a donut, which you wear around the neck while doing squats, which is made of stone Hell or whatever. Yeah. Like the endurance yeah. and intensity training is actually like extremely hardcore, as we will see. Yeah. And they've been doing this for hundreds of years, and like nobody's really been like interfering with them in the sense that like they've just been doing their thing for hundreds of years. At the time we get into
5: this story, does that mean the British are going to fuck it up? Is that what you're going to tell we're, me?
6: We're going uh, <laughs> to a, a lot of things, are, but yes, right. isn't that always the case? Well, uh, yeah, they, their actual daily schedule is like, like it's all it's a public people talk about it publicly because it's such a wild thing. The other thing, is like. Cricket is probably the most popular sport in India, but wrestling is easily the second most popular, irrespective of what anyone says. Like TRPs don't really measure how excited people get for a local wrestling event in the villages and how many people okay. come. But wrestlers are like local heroes, like big time.
5: Literally all I know about cricket is from reading your tweets and a movie I saw about anti-imperial cricket in India. Once. Oh,
6: you mean Lagan?
5: Yeah.
6: Oh, it. yeah. Oh, that, that film. That's yeah. all
5: I know about cricket is those two things.
6: That, that that film is like a hot mess in a whole different way.
5: Okay. We don't have to talk about yeah, it.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I could rant for a really long time about that film. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. anyway. All right. so, so, your average wrestler, right, gets up at like 3 in the morning. It, you start your day off, you perform squats and push-ups, and like I'm talking about like probably thousands of each. You'll run for five miles. (laughs) Then you'll swim. Uh Then you'll swim, spend some time lifting stones and sandbags. Then about eight o'clock, the teachers will watch as you do actual like wrestling practice for about three hours, maybe 25 matches in a row. Then this usually works in seniority. So like the most senior guys will start first. So they have kind of shorter days than the trainees, obviously, like Uh the grind is everywhere. You know? Uh, at about ten o'clock, these guys will start chilling. They'll eat food. They'll be, get like a full, full-on oil massage, and then they'll go to sleep. Then they'll get up again in the evening, get another massage, wrestle for another two hours, have another meal, go to sleep. Things may be slightly more or less lax like, somewhere, depending where you are. But one thing I should mention here is I, I, I've just like mentioned food a couple of times, and the food is going to play an integral mm-hmm. part. In a way, the only reason we're having this discussion is because of the food, as I'll explain at some point. But okay. let's just put a pin in the food because it it really matters.
5: Okay. Wait, but, but speaking of food, what food should we be sponsored by?
6: Oh, that's like a tough question. Yeah, that's like
7: the hardest question you could ask somebody okay, on I'm the sorry. spot. But also answer it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm still going to do it. Uh, um, uh, all right, ra- okay, randomly. Um, Pop-Tarts.
7: Great great choice, okay. great choice.
5: We are sponsored by Pop-Tarts, only not the actual brand. They have not actually given the us any money. The concept of Pop-Tarts. But, uh, yes,
7: the Toaster
5: pastries. <laughs> yeah. Not
7: Kellogg, because... No, uh, no. Don't, toaster look, don't look toaster into sweets. the history of that guy. <laughs> Rock
5: show. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> is there a bastards on Kellogg? Oh, oh yeah, there is. I've oh, heard it. Bag
7: pie. Boy, howdy, is there.
5: <laughs> well, like Toaster Strudel, Yum. all of our sponsors contain multitudes. They can be good or bad. They wake up each morning. Like all of us, and choose what actions they take. And here's those ads
0: Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious?
2: Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: And we're back. And we are learning about food. Well, we put a pin in food. I'm just kind of hungry. Is what's happened? I've realized. I um, yeah. You need a you need a, you
7: need a pop tart.
5: I know. I wish I had pop tarts, but not actually a pop tart. No. Yeah. I, yeah. No. Uh, a non Kellogg brand. An no, off people, brand.
7: People, there's really cool recipes to make homemade pop tarts. Um, oh, really? And yeah. Then there a lot of them are vegan too. Magpie. Ooh, excellent. Okay for later okay.
5: so what are we learning next
7: all right so so we were talking about the
6: culture of wrestling and the kind of lifestyle and about uh, pehlwani in general so mm-hmm. the thing is like the popularity of the more accomplished guys like you cannot understate it like they it's I and mean, especially the time we're talking about they were like local and national superstars
5: mm-hmm.
6: for one culturally like the wrestler has generally been like kind of a folk cultural local hero and you know like the that whole like perception of them as like a warrior monk who's like this noble person who will stand up for right, protect the weak and innocent from forces, et cetera. Like that whole thing was very much existent. It's gone away now, but okay. you still see, like, it is not a coincidence that when the big TV TV version of the Ramayana was made, the choice of guy to play Hanuman. And for those, I
5: don't know who these, I'm sorry.
6: So Hanuman is like the monkey God. He's known as an ascetic, who is like, again, someone who does a lot of really cool, physical, superheroish things in the course okay, of the Ramayana. Yeah. But, you know, he himself never married. Like, he was just devoted to his guru, who is like Lord Rama and that kind of stuff. So he's, again, okay. the vision of like the noble warrior monk in the context of the Ramayana itself. It is not a coincidence yeah. that the guy chosen to play him in that was Dara Singh, who was essentially another really super famous Pahlwani wrestler.
5: Oh, awesome. Okay
6: so there's that overlap so wrestling has had its effects on bollywood back and forth over the years and we will touch upon some of those okay as well uh, i'm making a lot of promises but i'm going to keep all
5: of them all um, right now this yeah. is it, your fiction writing is showing you know you that's what you you do you like lay the groundwork no i'm excited
6: yeah so another part of this is that uh, pelvani like it really in a big way was promoted by a lot of mughal emperors and not least of all like the guy at the very top of the food chain and i'm talking Babur, who founded the mughal empire
5: uh i i am completely ignorant can you tell me roughly when that was
6: oh the year i think i think the year just like
5: rough with with centuries i i don't know anything about so if i know know very little about indian history i'm sorry yeah
6: so the mughal empire was founded was well, it like either 12 or or 15 something? I think it might be okay. 15, first battle of Panipat.
5: But... Okay. Now I feel bad for putting you on the spot.
6: <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I actually feel bad. I used to like know the exact year. And I have somehow forgotten it. So... I need... 1526. Yeah, I had it on the, uh, on the tip of my tongue. Okay. It was 1526. I should have gone with it. You know, it would have looked cool. I know. Opportunity we,
5: just, we could do it again. <laughs>
6: right. yeah. yeah, so, so I said fif- so 1526 was the year. Yeah, yeah, totally. said, all along. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
5: So,
6: so that's when he comes down from a place called Samarkand. So essentially, Babur claims lineage from both
5: Genghis and Timur on okay. either
6: side. Claims being the operative word.
5: I am going to be the stand-in for the... American audience that doesn't know anything about this. Well, Who are they? Okay, okay. so, Genghis Khan? I know who Genghis Khan is.
6: Okay, you know Genghis Khan, right? Okay, so, yeah. another real scourge, so to speak, okay, according to some people, and he was like a pretty mm-hmm. evil, evil guy in a lot of ways, especially to places he took over, was a guy known as yeah. Timur Lame or Tamerlane, depending on where you learned about him. They also considered okay. two of the great Mugh- uh, Mong- Mongol conquerors of all time, of the Mongol Empire. Oh, uh, okay. And as is probably customary, now Babur was from a royal family. He claimed he descended from both of them. But long and the short of it, this kingdom is called Samarkand and he and his people get chased away. He doesn't get to be king there. So, So Babur decides, I will go and found my own empire somewhere. And the somewhere he finds is all the way down in India where he defeats this guy called Ibrahim Lodi to take over the throne of Delhi and found what came to become the Mughal Empire. Okay. So... Barber is actually that super rare empire, empire, I'm saying emperor, who is genuinely a tough guy and leads his guys yeah. into battle himself and stuff like that. And Barber also had old a really
7: school.
6: yeah, he's also old school in the sense that by virtue probably of being a leader on the battlefield, he understands the value of theatrics and messaging and propaganda. So, okay. for instance, when on the on the eve of the Battle of Banipat, where he's going to face Abraham Lodi and all. You know, And he is definitely the underdog, let's say, in this fight. He's come all the way. Mm -hmm. He's facing this big-ass established emperor of India. And what happens is, this is how the story goes, that Babur used to enjoy a good drink. So what he does is he has all these many fancy drinking vessels made of gold, silver, emeralds, whatever, whatever. (laughs) And he gets his army together and he tells them that if we win this battle, I will never drink again. And I'm so sure we'll win this battle, I'm going to smash all my drinking cups right now in front of you all. So that's what he does in the next. Apparently, it worked because they won. Oh, did he stick to it? I'm not sure, but I think he did because there's not too much talk of Barber drinking after that. But then he was also Emperor of India and he could excise whatever he wanted. So, yeah, that's true. Choose choose your story. Yeah, okay. And on. So, this guy, actually, if you think about it, is a perfect match for wrestling with its combination of actual toughness and theatrics. Yeah. And he's said to have been like super enthusiastic about it to the point he used to participate himself. And he was apparently really good. But the same accounts, many of them also say that Barber could tuck a man under each armpit and run so fast that no one could catch him. So you should decide how much of this you want to believe.
5: Is this like Mark Zuckerberg who hires fancy MMA fighters to pretend like they're teaching him and then he does videos where he's (laughs)
6: like, I I don't know. He's pretending to fight. but I, I don't know how this works actually in the sense that uh, do you remember this Roman emperor called Domitian
5: I think he was called. It so, makes you. F- I also don't know the names of the Roman emperors either. Now, so
6: this guy actually feels like it's very sad. We don't talk enough about him because Caligula mm-hmm. gets like such a lot of the press yeah. about being like the psycho g- emperor, Season which one like fought
5: the sea. I'm gonna get everyone's gonna oh. be so mad at me that I don't oh, no, know anyone's of of fucking history. I haven't gone this far back yet.
6: Wasn't it Canute who fought the sea? I don't,
5: I don't know. I took three years Latin. Oh, no. I don't know how to say. Yeah, okay, maybe not.
6: Maybe not. Uh, but Domitian used to take part in okay. the races. In and he okay. fought a bunch wait, of races. Wait,
5: you told me at the beginning that if we're getting completely off track, we oh. should. <laughs> we right, should go right. back.
6: <laughs> right. Okay. Wait. Wait. Not Domitian. We're here to talk about. If we're talking uh, about
5: Caligula, we're too far gone. <laughs> this is true. This is true.
6: All right. So Barber was a great ruler, okay. great patron of wrestling and so on and so forth. And it carried on it became okay. a really big deal, right? Like because of the support okay.
5: of the Mughal's game. During the empire, during the Mughal empire. Yeah.
6: And then things go on this way for hundreds of years and then everything changed when the fi- uh, not the Fire Nation, when the British attack, which is pretty much the same thing in a way. Yeah. So... The British come visiting as the British were want to do. And then the British uh-huh. stop visiting and decide to stay, you know, as the British want to do. And then they decide uh-huh. that they just run the whole place as the British were want to do. And yeah, they're like good at it. Why not let them? Yeah. I mean, what could go yeah. wrong? Yeah. So in the case of India, all this in the context of our wrestling community overlaps with this one gentleman by the name of Thomas Babington Macaulay.
5: That is the most English fake name I've ever heard. Yeah,
6: yeah. And he's an interesting character in the sense that he's a Whig. So, the Whigs were generally reformists. And apparently, Macaulay was quite active in the anti-slavery movement in England. So, that's a plus for him. Okay. But on the minor side, he was also very into Western culture. (laughs) And he didn't actually believe in (laughs) anything else. So... He kind of led a movement to, like, defund every single college that only taught, like, Indian subjects and
5: Indian education and Eastern stuff and didn't teach, like, the British curriculum. You'd think if you didn't like anything but Western culture, you'd go back to the West. But that's actually,
6: like, very much a British thing I've noticed. And I notice in their pop culture till today, like, till Mm -hmm. today, like, shows made in 2022 will talk about, like, communities that live in France, like, in rural France, and judge local French people because he doesn't come to the pub. Well, why should he come to the pub? Like, go back to England and go to the pub, no? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, like, you you want to move everywhere else and make it your island. Like, I don't understand this trip.
5: Yeah. Uh, for- fortunately, Americans didn't inherit that from the British. <laughs> we totally aren't famous like, for that either. Like,
6: like, well, Americans kind of went the other way, right? Like, Americans go everywhere and say it's better at home.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
6: Well anyway
5: okay so so the okay, british so show now, up so
6: and and part of like this western education in india takes the form of like basically propagandizing the indian population about how indians are generally inherently physically weaker compared to the western white man you know like <laughs> a lot uh-huh. of this you never had a chance stuff so no it was like a whole thing and it's interesting to think that this suddenly gets a bunch of pushback in terms of counter propaganda, and the people leading this charge are like the most unlikely people. If you think about it contextually, it's like the Maharajas and the powerful people of India. okay. And if you think about it, like it is their collaboration at various stages which enables the British to gain a foothold to begin with. okay, But this rankles for some reason. So a lot of stuff starts happening. Like you know, people start writing. Can you give me like the what
5: decade decades we're talking about?
6: So now we're talking about the where. So Macaulay and stuff starts in like the 1840s, uh-huh. As did the telegraph around that time, I think. So essentially, yeah, think everything so. we're going to talk about is going to be covered basically in the time period between, say, 1840 and 1960. Okay. Um. So now we're talking about like 1840s on 1860s, probably, at this point. Okay. And moving on. So. You start, you start having these counter-propaganda movements, like, for instance, in various ways. Like, uh, Ramamurti, the professor, he wrote a whole thing about the ways of physical education, and he went around the country lecturing on the subject. You know, there's mm-hmm. a Wadiyar prince who commissioned this history of divine figures of Karnataka, but, and his region, essentially. But uh, within that, he sneaks, like, 122 Hatha Yoga poses. Like, a lot of the modern, <laughs> you know, a lot of the modern y- yoga forms and like positions we see now are like developed in various ways around this time like there was a lot of no we have it too kind of stuff happening
5: yeah that makes sense
6: you know and you can figure out how much of this was like personal pride versus like genuine national interest or anything of that sort i guess it's probably a combination of it like everything else but here's the thing like the natural progression of this was like a lot of in a lot of places like a focal point or a really like important counter propaganda messaging tool for these guys was wrestling like our you know our indi- indigenous traditional wrestling like i say indigenous mm-hmm. with air quotes because it's indigenous and as indigenous as everything else like the indigenous populations of india are really separate from this conversation honestly they're the tribes okay. of india okay but uh Anyway, so this whole stuff is happening, right? Like, so a lot of Maharajas at this point actually have their own court wrestler or wrestlers. Like some will have several wrestlers, and one will be like their main champion. And there's tournaments all over the place. A lot of them are holding their own tournaments. They'll be holding other kinds of like physical contests. So that's okay. your environment at this point. Now, you fast forward a few decades with this entire like thing happening and this counter movement sort of happening, and we finally arrive. All this time into our discussion at Gamma's birth.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I All love right? okay. I love a good 30 plus minutes context. I'm not <laughs> yeah. joking. This sounds sarcastic, except unless you've listened to the show before. In which case, you know, if anything, you got to it sooner. <laughs>
6: yeah. oh, well, well, a lot of this is still context at this point now. Okay. now as it's typical for Gamma and for the era, really. We have three separate years. Which are given as a year of birth. So, even for this most yeah. basic of facts, you get to choose 1878, 1880, and 1882. These are the three years
5: generally given. Okay. Or the definitely an even generally. year. That's what's important here. It's
6: definitely an even year. Usually, 1880 is taken as the year, although, you know, the fact it lies neatly between the other two. And, like, if you take it as the year, the fact that we know for a fact Gama died in 1960 means that everything—his age, death year, birth—everything year, becomes a nice round number. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that helps with the convenience. Yeah, and it's so convenient that I'm going to do exactly that and say he was born in Great. 1880.
5: Great. I can't believe there was any doubt.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when he was born, his name was Mia Gulam Muhammad Baksh Bhatt, As I said, you know, he was from a Kashmiri Muslim family, and okay. they were settled at the time i think in dathya his father was like his whole family he was born into a family of
5: wrestlers how um how common i only know a little bit about the religion i know there's a lot of religious tension in india at various points like how common is how common is it how likely was it that he was from a muslim family was that like fairly integrated at the time or like
6: yeah, absolutely. There were lots of Muslims. In fact, like a lot of the leading wrestlers in India at the time were Muslims.
5: Okay, cool.
6: So as we'll see, like, yeah, the, the, there's both. Like, for instance, on his famous tour to England, there were a lot of Muslims, but there was also a Hindu on the trip.
5: Cool. So much like that um, sports movie that is clearly good and you have no qualms about about cricket.
6: Oh yes, yes. That that, that incredible film. I like yeah. the songs. I thought the songs were good. Let's. Okay. I'm not being. Sick i okay. like the music anyway um right. so gama was essentially born to be a wrestler and i mean that like pretty much literally he's like mm-hmm. from a family of pelwans his grandfather was one his father whose name was aziz baksh was one he was a very renowned wrestler he was the court wrestler i think in datia his uh uncle whose name is Ida pelwan was a wrestler his brother Whose name I'm going to give you? His name, whose brother, his brother's name is Imam Baksh. Like we should remember that name. It's going to come up a lot. His brother was like, is a seriously renowned wrestler. Like if Gamma had not existed, this is the guy who we'd probably talk about as the greatest of all time. Okay. So essentially, he comes from a really, really star like star-studded lineage of wrestlers. So. The question of what he was going to do with his life, I don't think it was in doubt for a second.
5: <laughs> He's right. going to do thousands of squats a day. That's what, they, as soon as he was born, yeah. they were like, yeah. kids, you're going to do yeah. squats. Yeah. Now, having said that, like being born into a family
6: of wrestlers happens to a lot of people, and becoming the greatest wrestler ever has happened to one person. So there's a bit of a gap okay. there.
5: Okay, uh, fair uh, enough.
6: They say that like he was obsessed with wrestling from the moment he could talk,
1: mm-hmm.
6: but uh, he was five years old when they started training him. So I I don't know how much like obsession a five year old actually shows for wrestling. So again, it's choose whether the family decided he was obsessed or he was actually obsessed or whatever at that point. Yeah,
5: he wanted to be a, a paleontologist, but they were like wrestling, <laughs>
6: wrestling. So it. The part that's not really debatable is like almost immediately he shows like super great aptitude for the workout part of it, which is all he gets to do. Like the training would start with like any other, like any other apprentice, you know, sweeping, cleaning, in time learning to like, you know, prepare the the fighting surface, Mm -hmm. doing like strength and endurance training, working on like essentially learning the discipline and getting used to like living your life in that super regimented style. Yeah. Uh, which is required to be a wrestler before you even become like so. For instance, like Gama never actually wrestled an opponent in competition till he was fifteen years old. Wow. Even though, okay. even though, like, so he never competed against someone outside his own training spaces for till ten years after he started training. Yeah. So that's how much time he was spent, like, essentially, like, you know, it's like while you were having fun, I was studying the blade. Yeah, he was studying yeah. the wrestling, like, <laughs> yeah. like
5: literally. No wonder. I I know very little about Kama going into this, but one of the things I know to spoil some part of it is I think a lot of western wrestlers didn't want to wrestle him. No fucking wonder.
6: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's uh, so <laughs> it, it's fascinating like to like listen to the story and the way it worked and there was this very old joke about golf. Huh? Like uh, essentially like there's this group of guys who like, you know, they're amateurs and they play at their golf club or whatever. And uh-huh. uh, they play like this, four people play, you know, they team up into a team and you play and they get there, there's only three of them one day and they really need a fourth to play.
3: Uh-huh.
6: And there's this guy who they've never seen. He's like, I joined the golf club today. I, I don't know anyone. So they're like, why don't uh-huh. you play with us? And then on the way out to play, they ask him, how long have you been playing? And he's like, oh, today's my first day. huh. So they're like, bloody hell, you know, like this guy's going to ruin it if you're playing with a guy who's never like played before. Yeah. And they go there and essentially like he's so good, like he's lapping them, all of them. Mm-hmm. And then at some point his partner asked like, I thought you said you just started playing today. And he's like, yeah, today's my first day. I was learning for 18 years. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of like how Gamma shows up at 15 yeah yeah
5: although to be fair a lot of them who show up like this is the system i was about to say like imagine the pressure you've been spending two-thirds of your life doing this and it's your first competition but so has everyone else yeah i i didn't like the competitions i had to enter as a kid after like three months
6: and in all honesty the 15th thing is because he's like a prodigy like usually they make you wait longer okay so, like when I say he goes into competition at 15, he's not fighting 15-year-olds. There are no age groups in this stuff. Wow. Okay. So that's a cool that's an important thing to keep in mind. Like, there's no yeah. like 15 to 17 age group. It's like if you're willing to fight, you'll fight everyone. Okay. Otherwise, wait till you're ready. Like, we're not doing this to like make exception for like a junior's league.
5: it's <laughs> you know? hardcore. All right. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. It's it's hardcore. Like, I mean, yeah. it's it, it's genuinely like dog eat dog, and then that dog eats its own tail.
5: Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Won't eat your tail. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. This is the worst one I've ever done. This is uh, instead of the g- greatest of all time. This is the this is the wot. This is the worst the of wo- all time. Wot. Unlike these products, ads. and we're back and we've all forgotten what came before the bad break the part where I was talking we didn't forget about how hardcore this 15 year old is okay so
6: okay so anyway so an aspect of like Gama like the human being as opposed to Gama the wrestler or Gama the superhero that doesn't get talked enough is like a lot of his personal life was basically marred by like constant tragedy okay and it starts really early so like his training starts when he's five when he's about eight years old his his father dies Okay. And it's away from home. And his grandfather takes over his training. And the reason I say this first is because at some point the decision was made that we to spare this child from dealing with death at such a young age. Mm-hmm. We won't tell him that his dad's dead.
5: Okay. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. usually go well. All right.
6: Yeah, it it went as about as well as you'd expect because apparently like the kid used to sneak out at night and run through the streets looking for his dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
5: gone. And, uh-huh.
6: and, yeah, yeah, it was pretty messed up. Uh, so anyway, the plan to like protect him from the reality of death didn't really work out because a year later the grandfather died.
5: Okay, what are they <laughs> dying of? I'm just um, guessing tuberculosis. L- l- but... Not, I, not really mentioned. I don't know. Then it must be tuberculosis. It's 19th century. They died of t- TB. Okay.
6: He's the grandfather. I assume he's old. The father, I'm sure, is like something sudden and unexpected. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Okay. So at this point, the uncle takes over the training. Okay. Okay, and um, so the um, the they're a very close knit family and all that, but this uncle appears to have been like some kind of reverse Iro. All right, because, because his idea was moral support, as he constantly tells the kid, like, "All your dad really wanted for you to be the greatest wrestler in the world. You must make your father proud by becoming the greatest wrestler in the world." So, with the result, this kid gets even more obsessed with the whole wrestling thing. Yeah, but. You could probably make the case that he was essentially gaslit by his family into becoming the greatest of all time.
5: Yeah, it doesn't sound... It also well, sounds like myth-making, too, right? It, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, of course, this kid was the most obsessed kid in the world, and that's why he was the best. It's like, you know, I like. I wonder how much that was true and how much that's myth-making, you know? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I mean he was obviously obsessed. He was very good at it, and he spent all his time doing it.
6: Yeah, and... I would believe this part of art because, like, DC parenting, welcome to. But uh, 19th century DC parenting, I'm sure, was even more intense. And I I, I get it because, like, it's the kind of, like, emotional sort of blackmail that, like, happens a lot in India. Yeah. But, uh, again, like, I'm sure this happened to a lot of people. Like, this was done to a lot of people. Like, I think... I... All the stuff that we discuss around what this person does, I think, should in one sense be considered separate from, like, what this person themselves has done to, like, end up as the re- recipient of all this, these accolades. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people got gaslit by their family. You must be the greatest ever. Your deceased uncle would have yeah, wanted yeah. only this. Whatever. Like, But at the end of the day, I'm not saying working if working is a good thing either. So it's a whole complicated conversation, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. but. I guess it takes a specific combination of, like, gaslighting and obsession and circumstances and so on and so forth. Yeah.
5: yeah. Okay, so Uncle's teaching him.
6: Uncle's teaching him. And anyway, so he's always been pretty obsessive, apparently, about being very good. But now he becomes, like, super obsessive and he starts getting this, like, reputation, like, locally and, like, within the community and even the area of being, like, Mm -hmm. this, like, legendary-level workout warrior. And, okay, so... At this point, like he's still on a pure plant-based diet, most for the most part, apart from milk. Like, so he's Hell basically yeah. having fruit, milk, and almonds at this point. Like he did not add meat till like several years later. At which point they start having this thing called yaki. A lot of Muslim wrestlers swear by it in terms of building strength. It's a drink which is made from boiling bones, bones, joints, and tendons. Okay. And Anyway, at this point, like, our guy is still doing pit digging and stuff like that, you know, which is you turn over the ring, conditioning, strength training, etc. And as Mm -hmm. it turns out, like, these workout habits are about, like, put him on the map quite spectacularly. Because what Mm -hmm. happens is, your the Maharaja of Jodhpur has this physical conditioning slash endurance tournament when Gama's about 10 years old. Now, this is the part I've never actually been very clear about, but somehow this 10-year-old kid finds himself in the tournament. Along with about four hundred <laughs> others who are like full grown men. Like, you know, if you're writing the movie if you were writing a movie, this is the part where he ran away from home to get into the
5: tournament or whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh-huh.
6: Yeah. But he's in the tournament. We know this for a fact. Like, for all we know, okay. the uncle's like, go show you know, like we don't know how it happened, but he's there. All right? Yeah, you and can't it,
5: come home until you win.
6: See, that's the <laughs> other way you'd write the Bollywood story, wouldn't you? I have no idea. Like <laughs> anyway. Um so this tournament is basically essentially what's going to happen is they're all going to do squats. Okay. And Hell the yeah. way it works is like, they're all going to start doing squats. And I guess they have some <laughs> like counting mechanism and guys uh-huh. are basically going to drop out as they drop out. Okay. It's like last Hell man uh, yeah. standing or last man still squatting, whatever. Yeah.
3: So,
6: so anyway, like 400 of these full grown men, well, three ninety nine full grown men and one 10 year old kid start after like, a, <laughs> after like a certain amount of time. Like, there's 15 of them left. One of them is the 10-year-old uh-huh. kid. At which point, Damn. the Maharaja... And, and this Maharaja is, like, blown away. So, he's, like, he just stops the whole tournament and he declares the 10-year-old kid the winner and says, shame on you men
7: and
6: all that <laughs> jazz. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. And then, he like, he takes the kid under his wing. He's, like, you will train in my court. All right. So, now, like, this 10-year-old kid is basically part of, like he's got, like, he's got, like, a progression plan. Is this, is there
5: already movies about him? Never, anyway.
6: All right. So, the interesting thing about the movies about him is that, like, I think one was made which didn't really do very well. His, the the film rights in India, at least, are owned by a certain actor who's sitting okay. on them. But, like, I don't know, maybe he'll watch our podcast and make it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so, what were we talking about? He's under All the right, wing. Yeah. The, He's
5: under the wing. The,
6: so, the Maharaja takes him under the wing and he's there. I mean, this is basically more about, like, how stubborn and dogged the kid is because, like, it turns out that we don't actually know how many did, but by his own count, he did thousands of these squats. Yeah. And uh, he was apparently bedridden. That's that's so many
5: orders of magnitude more than squats than I can do. Like, that's just, there's there's multiple orders of, I don't consider myself, I consider myself a little out of shape, but I like exercise. And, and that's, and just, these, it's not in the realm of things. That's not a number that's real to me of a number of squats yeah. to do. That's amazing. And, and like, these, are, and these yeah. are like the,
6: and these are like those Indian squats, which are like, you know, they're really drawn out and stuff. So they're kind of like, they're harder. You don't get to like quickly get it done. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's, yep. anyway. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. So apparently he was like bedridden for like a couple of weeks after this. <laughs> yeah. Because he just kept going. Yeah. Like, I got to do this. Anyway but like when he recovers there's no respite because when he recovers Maharaja Maharaja's waiting for his protege saying you will start you will study here now let's yeah. you do some squats you know yeah that whole stuff happened so now he spends the next few years training here till he's about 15 okay meanwhile in the outside world like the whole indo-western wrestling world they're like about to meet like So, for the first time in, like, 1892, the English champion, his name is Tom Cannon. It's a very interesting name. (laughs) This thing is made for
5: Bollywood. The names are also, like, so snappy. (laughs) It sounds like someone making fun of an American name.
6: (laughs) Yeah. Tom Cannon comes to India, and they set up a a match against this 21-year-old local wrestler whose name is Kareem Baksh, who is not related to the Baksh family we've talked about, the Gama family. There are okay. a lot of Bakshas around. Like It's a very, it's a fairly common Kashmiri name and a lot of Kashmiri Muslim wrestlers okay. are around. Anyway. So Kareem Baksh takes on Tom Gannon. And I don't know whether it was supposed to be a squash match, you know, or whatever. Like They just brought in a local kid, they thought. But Kareem Baksh makes short work of the English former champion. Like in in no time yeah, it's like because
5: done. he does thousands of squats every day, and day, then and swims he swims across day. the ocean, and then fights five more people. Anyway.
6: anyway so, Kareem is still, remember, is a great hero for this. Like, when people talk yeah. about him, they talk about how he, like, he's the first Indian to beat a non-Indian. Yeah. And he's I probably say, the first so,
5: non-Indian who tried.
6: But, yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Anyway, so this starts, and then in 1900, this gets put to the test like full on, where mm-hmm. a guy called Ghulam, who's the, there's the world exposition in Paris and they take this wrestler from India whose name is Gulam, who's this extremely highly regarded wrestler. Like, till today, many people regard Gulam as one of the highest, like, expressions of Indian wrestling ever. Like, okay. he, along with Gama's brother, are considered basically the two most technically perfect wrestlers the sport has seen.
5: Okay. Well, We'll
6: talk a little bit more about that later. Anyway, so he goes to World Exposition where he, according to the records, fights someone called variously Court Direlli or Kurderelli, which is a bizarre name. Okay. And it took a really long time when I first got interested in the subject. Like and then I went kind of like batty trying to figure out who this guy was, till I yeah. realized that these are like Anglo writers, and the guy's name, he was Turkish, <sighs> is Kadir Ali.
5: <laughs> Wait, okay, then when what was what was the other name that you gave? The first name? Well,
6: the Corderelli, Courderelli, C-O-U-R hyphen D-E-R-E-L-L-I. The French okay. version is C-O-U-R-T, court, like a tennis court, hyphen D-E-R-E-L-L-I. <laughs> His name is Kadir Ali. Like it's an okay. extremely common name to yeah. anyone who's like familiar with like any kind of Muslim community. Anyway, yeah. So, anyway, so apparently, Gulam kicks this guy's ass. Yeah even though this guy is very well regarded and basically what ends up happening is these guys end up on the ground and this guy is unable to like flip him and get the win and some weird stuff happens but like Edward Desponay has got like this whole account of the match and according to his account like basically this guy was like it was clear to everybody that he was like way superior at every level okay and he in fact eventually said that the two greatest wrestlers he's seen are Gulam. And this guy called Ismail Yusuf or Yusuf Ismail respectively, who was known as the Terrible Turk. <laughs> yeah Now, now, now you said, um, Yusuf Ismail, our terrible Turk was the, one of the most colorful characters in any history, like so he, he towards the end of his life, he goes on this tour of the United States, where he does a mm-hmm. bunch of matches. People till today are not sure whether the matches were like rigged or not. He took a bunch Hell, of yeah. money, took a bunch of money, demanded it in gold. <laughs> all this is true by the way He demanded in gold Had the gold forged into a belt Which he wore everywhere Including in, Including the trip home by boat Where his boat Collided With <laughs> an extremely colorfully named British ship called the Chromatisher At which point Nobody on either boat was into Women and children first Apparently there was a free for all During this free for all The terrible Turk A wrestler was throwing people out of his way from both sides to make it to the side to get out (laughs) of the ship. So, having thrown all these people off, he leaps off and drowns with the weight of his belt.
5: Hell yeah, fuck him!
6: All right, yeah. So, (laughs) so so you know, is certainly the fascinating character in history. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't researched this, but that big gold belt design in professional wrestling that exists from like about the eighties onwards, I've always wondered if it's like in a context to the belt this guy came up with while in the United States.
5: Yeah, huh. That would be cool. I have not looked... It Because be there's, like, symbolism and stuff, you know?
6: But it also means that who has this will, will sink. So maybe, yeah, that yeah, is exactly. Again, Yeah. Yeah. You're a mock man if you wear the belt.
5: Yeah. Especially if you throw people overboard. <laughs>
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the story. Like, I mean, there's, like, it was quite the story. Let's put it this way. like mm-hmm. The reporting also it was pretty racist. There were a lot of Italians on the board. It's interesting to read that and see how the Italians... Oh, yeah. The- no,
5: you're right. Yeah, like, of course, the terrible Turk threw everyone. Yeah. No, you're right. Now I feel guilty for having... But, well, you told it to me like it was true, so I believed you. You can believe whatever version you want. I told you. Right up front. All right. All right. But, like,
6: I, I don't doubt that he pushed people out of the way to get off the ship. Like, I don't doubt that at all. But I also don't fault him for it because I would try to do that to get off a ship. Where, (laughs) If you're on a ship where everyone's trying to get off for themselves and there's no order, then (laughs) either you choose to be noble and die or you try, right?
5: Uh, Yeah, I guess it depends on who else is on the boat for me. Anyway.
6: Anyway, that's a whole different... uh, Anyway, so, um, (laughs) so as a result of this fight where Gulam doesn't win, a yeah. uh, bunch of things happen. So at least in the eyes of the promoters, European crowds would now be eager to see more of like these surprisingly great wrestlers from India. Yeah. Because surely there must be more guys like this, right? On the other hand, like the financers at home who like were specifically into this because of the counter propaganda value.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh
6: They were not like super hap- like satisfied yet because they wanted like the victory. So like they wanted more Of this because, like, hey, we got the better, but we didn't get it done. So, like, they would... Basically, uh, an entire pipeline was being laid out for this.
5: In order to have Indian wrestlers beat Western wrestlers in in order to help show that India is not actually some, like, place that should be colonized.
6: Or or basically not a nation of weaklings, essentially.
5: Yeah, 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 totally.
6: Yeah. So... Essentially, the stage was being set. Like everyone was ready for the emergence of like a new champion to have mm-hmm. like, like a gulam type status, just who could then like go there. India was basically eager for a hero at this point. Yeah, and very soon a hero presented himself. Except it's not the one you're thinking of. It's not gamma. It's not Gama. It's this guy called Rahim Baksh Sultaniyawala, okay, who actually trained under Gulam, so he's like Gulam's protege, which helps. Yeah, he was essentially helped a lot by the fact that he basically looked the part very much, much more than Gama, who remember is five foot seven as a grown adult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Rahim Bakht was, depending on the source you believe, somewhere between six foot ten and seven feet tall. Okay. And like, there's this famous poster of his where, in you know, giving off shades of Babar, he's posing for it, holding up a guy in each arm, like standing <laughs> up there, picking up two guys. So Uh that's like a famous poster of his promotional poster of the time. I've seen it. It's quite Uh cool. Um, So, you know, like, he's essentially the front runner now. So he wins this thing called rustam which is like the champion of India. So he's the known champion of India at this point of time. Now, meanwhile, Gama had started competing at about 15. And he had started, like, developing a reputation of his own in a whole different kind of way. Where, remember when I said that fights... Go hours and hours sometimes. Well, yeah. Gama was like finishing fights. Like, the, the if you see the reports of his matches, it's kind of like it's wire. It's like one minute, two minutes, four minutes, three minutes, six minutes, nine minutes. Like, you don't, you barely see it. Th- there's no 10 minute fight there. Like, no one ever went 10 minutes with Gamma.
5: Like, he was like, just, dist- yeah. Yeah. So everyone's That's like wild. mad at him. He's like messing up their sport. They want to spend all afternoon like watching this. And then he comes in and just throws it's, the person down.
6: It's like, it's like, almost think of a guy who, like, maybe in baseball, like, every time he comes there he just, like, whacks, like, the first pitch he sees for a home run. It's like, you're not supposed yeah. to do this. Like, it doesn't work this way. Yeah. Like The sport was designed for you to not do this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that, you know, so there's that whole, this in conjunction with the fact, like, he's doing these, like, absolutely insane workouts that, mm-hmm. like, nobody's seen, like, as a kid and all. So, like, there's this whole aura developing around this kid.
5: Is he like built? Is he like a barrel? Is he a skinny kid? Like, what's the what's the build of fifteen year old Gamma?
6: I mean, he's probably built because he was pretty much built when he was older. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure you filled out. He was always like stocky and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, but cool. but he's also the, usually this got a reach and height disadvantage in every fight. Like, and I mean, you yeah. know, boxing, right? Like that stuff is massive
5: yeah. in all combat sports. This is and, exaggerating that I know boxing, but yes, yeah.
6: Okay. All right. Like, in I'll, take seasons, I'll take like, it. I'll take it. Expert boxer, uh, yeah. So, like, a really basic thing about, like, combat sports is that, like, it's almost unheard of that if someone knows what you're going to do, you can just keep doing it over and over and over again (laughs) to opponent after opponent. And, like, it's just, like, nobody can stop you. Like, it's sort of, like, If you follow mixed martial arts, like, Khabib used to do stuff like that before he retired. Like, he was just doing the same thing. In fact, if you think about it, Khabib's story has a lot of parallels to the Gama story. They trained in isolation for a long time. They came along, and then nobody had a a clue what to do. Yeah. And then, anyway. Okay. So, this guy is doing this stuff. Now, all this comes to a head in about 1904, in a way, for Gama, where he goes into this tournament and, like, destroys everybody in it. Okay. Like, completely. And he wins the whole tournament. By this point, he's basically a court wrestler at Dhatia, which is a position his father used to hold.
5: Okay. Is this the same guy who had taken him under his wing? Maraja? I mispronounced that. That's embarrassing.
6: No, no. That was Jodhpur. So, Dhatia is where he was as a kid, where his father was the court
5: wrestler. Okay.
6: So, he's now the court wrestler back there. Like, he's holding his dad's old position. Like, there's a bunch of wrestlers there, and he's like the shining star of the wrestling stable, so to speak. Okay. And at this point, like, now the cries are starting, right? Like, we want to see Gama versus Rahim Bak Sultaniwala for, like, the national championship. Yeah. Like, these are the two guys. Yeah. So, as the record goes, their, their first meeting is at dhatia itself. So, it's on Gama's home turf. Okay. And some sources say this happened around, like, n- as late as, I think, 1907 is the date. Mazumdar has recorded the fight. and. It was for about 20 minutes and it was a draw, which in itself is kind of significant for like both these guys. Like apparently uh, the giant went very aggressive and he found that he could not beat Gama, which is unusual for him. Yeah. In Gama's point of view, this is the first time that A, someone has gone over 10 minutes and B, he has not won the fight. Yeah. So for him, this is unusual. So both of them like are grumbling about, I should have done this. I should have done this. And the fight is done. Yeah. Okay. So they meet again in Indore in 1909 in a a fight which was supposed to have no time limit. They were like, we'll fight to the finish was the thing. Mm -hmm. The Maharaja of Indore organized it. And then at the three hour mark, he called it off because he got tired. He's like, this is not going anywhere. So it's another (laughs) draw. So it's another draw. All right. And then like a little bit later, they meet in Lahore. And guess what happened? They draw. A draw, this time in two hours and ten minutes. Now oh, they're getting so back now, to it. Yeah. Yeah. So Gama is basically unbeatable, but he's also unable to beat this guy. So this is basically the greatest rivalry of his career, like against this guy, these two guys. This, this might be the greatest rivalry in the history of Helvani wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so, fourth bout, everyone's like, okay, the fourth bout has to happen, right? Like three draws have happened. Yeah. Um, everyone wants a result at this point. And some probably they would have scheduled it also, but like what basically happens at this time, this English promoter whose name is R. S. Benjamin appears, and he's insistent on taking a bunch of Indian wrestlers to England, like to London, and doing sure. a shows up and of steals. Okay, uh huh, yep. Okay, and there've been several attempts since the Gulam incident, like mm-hmm. the, to do stuff like this, but this time there's this Bengali millionaire who's called Sarat Chandra Mukherjee, who thought of this was a fantastic uh, moment where, you know, you could go and strike a blow at English superiority in the heart yeah. of the empire, like yeah. in London. We'll do it in their capital. So they managed to actually talk Gama into like going on this. So Gama, his brother, uh, another guy called Ahmed Baksh, and um, the interestingly, almost similarly named Gamu. Okay. All of them get set sail on this boat in 1909 to go off to London to strike this blow at the heart of the empire because Benjamin has promised them that the English crowds are really eager to see this fight happen or these fights happen. So they set off. And as for how that happened and what happened there, we should probably get into it after a break.
5: Oh no, you mean everyone has to wait till Wednesday in order to hear the other half? Is that what you're saying? That is what I'm saying.
7: Did you do a suspense
5: Yeah, cliffhanger! I told you she's a fiction writer.
7: Ah, it was so (laughs) spicy. I loved it.
5: I'm excited. I I hope none of them are wearing a golden belt while they're on the boat. And then also, I'm gonna have the years wrong, but this is right around the same time we did a an episode of Muhammad Ali, and this is right around the time when a black heavyweight wrestler finally got the heavyweight wrestling championship, not wrestling, sorry, boxing championship uh, from, a, uh, you didn't talk from a, talking about Jack, Jack, Johnson. God, I already forgot the names. I forget names as soon as I'm done writing them, but it was like the same year. Wasn't it? It was like, it was like it's, right around the same it, time. It, when it, I, it was a
6: similar time. And it's interesting. Like I, I wasn't actually going to talk about it, mm-hmm. but, uh, are we off wax right now?
5: No, no, we're still recording.
6: Uh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, it's interesting because <laughs> at one point, like, the English audiences when like these guys weren't getting traction the Indian wrestlers mm-hmm. the, there was an English paper who started writing about how dare you cheer for a black man but you won't cheer for brown Indians and there's a white man writing it by the way
5: yeah yeah these are
6: subjects of the empire he's not even a British
5: subject <laughs> <laughs> fucking old timey racism yeah. anyway uh, not speaking of old timey do you have anything you want to plug here at the end before before people come back on Wednesday?
6: Um I mean, I don't really have a book due right now. I have some stories out. I have a Twitter. Follow my Twitter if you like stories like these. I'm mm-hmm. at nameshiv on Twitter.
5: Okay. Hell yeah. Uh Sophie, you got anything you want to plug?
7: Uh you can listen to Sad Oligarch, Cool Zone Media's newest podcast on all the apps. If you do not wish to listen to ad bricks, you can subscribe to Cool Zone's ad free subscription channel at Cooler Zone Media on Apple Podcast, Android version coming soon.
5: And my plug is that, much like the man trying to get off the boat with the golden belt, I am preparing my lifeboat for leaving Twitter because Twitter is a nightmare mess. And my lifeboat is a Substack. It's at margaretkilljoy.substack.com. I just started it like a week or so ago, depending on when you're listening to this, or I started it years ago. It's far in the future, and I'm on <laughs> number 594. But half of it's free, and half of it that's like more personal is for paid subscribers. But basically, I want a way to talk about shit without doing endless Twitter threads because Twitter is just now a nightmare full of anti trends people who have been empowered by the richest man in the world who is a wild anti-trans bigot. So that's what I got to plug.
7: Okay, we'll see bye. You Wednesday. Cool people who did cool stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever
0: you get your podcasts.